was listening to a podcast, actually a YouTube video, about how much did the German public know about the concentration camps and the treatment of the Jews. I'll put a link to this in the description. And what's very interesting is that, uh, contrary to what a lot of people will tell you, the German public did know a lot about what was going on in general. And what's more, foreign powers, the British and the Americans and so on, knew very well what was going on and refused to take Jews that wanted to escape from Germany. Now, Hitler had complete control over the media, of course, and the propaganda machine was directed um, to say that, you know, Jews were dirty, um, they weren't real people, and so on. And this uh, propaganda infected, one might say, the minds of the German people. I've talked before about the experiments of um, uh, Milgram, and um, you can go back and have a look at the, the podcast on this, and about how people can succumb to uh, indoctrination by people who they consider to be their social superiors. And there's a large section of any population that will simply do what they're told. There's a kind of meme, as one might put it, that goes around in some circles of whether you've taken the red pill or the blue pill. And I've talked about this before, the illusion is to the matrix. The blue pill people will simply follow orders and the red pill people will question them. But there's always enough people who will simply follow orders for the state to get what it wants. They control the propaganda machine and so on. When uh, Hitler was ready to attack Poland, um, it was precipitated by a, a pseudo-attack on a Berlin radio station which was supposed to have been orchestrated by the Poles. This gave the opportunity to shut down uh, one form of, of media and also gave Hitler the excuse that they were simply um, fight, retaliating against something to reclaim what was rightfully theirs. He never declared war and he waited for the West to declare war so that he could claim that he was simply now fighting for the independence of, the, of Germany and so on. I read a very good interview with a woman who was uh, around in the early days of uh, Hitler and she described how there was a kind of turning of the screw. Now people have talked uh, as a metaphor to the idea of a frog that's put in cold water and the water slowly heated up until the frog's boiled alive and it's done so slowly that the frog doesn't realize it. And it's a similar illusion here. The uh, screw gets turned slightly each time until people become more and more impressed and they don't realize it. He does say in this same pod podcast that when the Allies finally went into Berlin, the German people there didn't see them as an invading force. They saw them as a rescuing force, rescuing them from their own government who were the oppressors. And there's an interesting parallel, of course, between the German times and particularly their use of the media and what's going on at the moment. 
there's a direct parallel in my opinion uh, between the German actions and the actions of, of Russia and Ukraine not in the sense that Russia is acting like Germany but more in the sense that the West is acting by a similar token and blaming the Russians for something that um, in reality they're only defending themselves uh, from um, but this, this is uh, controversial we leave that for the time being but certainly anybody can see that the way that the state carries out its actions is by people simply obliging to it they follow rules instead of questioning the rules there's an interesting comment in this same podcast that he says that the Jewish people themselves he said he talks about somebody who actually went to the concentration camps he was arrested you know to, to trying to get in there to see what's happening and he was shocked at the compliance of the Jewish people now I've heard this before the Jewish people who finished up in the concentration camps were invariably from the cities you see the uh, the Warsaw Ghetto which was an enclave of Jews it was a walled area where the Jews were kept in and finally starved to death uh, was actually um, allowed in, in fact by the Jewish leaders they saw it as a way of keeping the Jews together there's a kind of naivety here which is incredible looking back in retrospect but it was only the people from the cities who succumbed to this the people from the country were less obliging they were less caught up in this propaganda machine now there's a lot of parallels with modern day there's a push by governments to move people into cities and to treat people in the country as being ignorant and hicks and so on and unsophisticated uh, but the truth of the matter is that people in cities are easier to control for a number of reasons and this control of people we see going on we saw it starting with Covid and there was a kind of push and then there's a easing back and then there'd be another push and then there'd be an easing back and then it'd be pushed a bit further and people will find that their freedoms are being more and more curtailed there's a push at the moment it's it's in the background but you'll see it come more and more to the fore for the digital currency there's a system at the moment with uh, world currency where people have their eyes scanned and this is used to identify you and then if you sign up you're given uh, I think $2,000 2000 of these world coins and down the track I think this will be integrated into the system you'll get $2,000 a month or something for signing up to this either with a scan of your retina or with a chip that will be put into your your wrist it does echo, of course, the old, te the uh, New Testament, the Book of Revelations, and the mark of the beast, which is either on your forehead or in your in your wrist, the number six six six. And at first, of course, people will see this as a great freedom; they'll be given a universal basic income and so on. 
but then gradually inflation or what will seem to be inflation will erode that money and they find their $2,000 really doesn't get them very much at all and they will be able to be controlled very easily. Starving people are easy to control. The way out of this, of course, is not to succumb in the first place. Don't go there. Stand back from this and observe what's happening. But people are too naive. They've taken the blue pill, as it were, and they say, oh, no, the government can't do this, can't do that. And when you stand back from it, most of the propaganda is, is absurd, and it, uh, it is as absurd as the Nazi propaganda was about Jews. If we look at Nazi propaganda now about Jews and they're all dirty and they're like rats and so on, we just find it almost laughable. But it seems obvious that in the future people will look back on the propaganda that's going on now in a similar vein. It's very difficult to talk about anything which is outside the mainstream without being accused of being conspiracist, of being anti-science, which of course is ridiculous, and um, of, absurdly enough, being a racist, as if they all, they all go together. Now, any thinking person is going to step back from this and say, well, these, these are absurd, they don't even go together. But people don't think in exactly the same way as they didn't think in Nazi Germany. They just followed what they were told. And the state says so, it must be true. Now, of course, if your income and your whole way of life, your whole um, comfort is predicated on you know, following that and obeying the rules, you're going to do it. And you won't realize until it's too late what you've invited yourself, what you've invited him. There's a Sufi story of the um, the man with a camel and a tent, and the uh, he rides on the camel, and the camel is taking the tent, and they go until he gets to nightfall, and um, he erects the tent, and he goes in the tent, but the camel's out in the cold, and it doesn't night can get very cold, so the camel pushes his tries to push his head into the tent where it's a bit warmer. And the man says, no, no, and, you know, it's camp. no, you can't, you know, it pushes him out. And, f you know, finally he, he gives in a bit, says, okay, you know, just your head can stay in here, you know. So the head's in the tent, but then as it gets colder and colder, the camel pushes more and more into the tent, and the bloke keeps saying, no, no, you know, you can't do this, until finally the camel pushes his whole body in the tent, the tent gets uprooted, and neither the camel nor the man have any tent. It's a pertinent metaphor. You allow a little bit in and a little bit in and a little bit in because it's easy, because it's easy and just saying no until you find that everything's been destroyed. It's very interesting to look at what's happening in certain cities in America. San Francisco is a good example. They were full of what might be called woke um, voters who voted in a government that was uh, wanted to defund the police, allow unlimited immigration and unlimited, uh, wanted to stop any control over drugs or anything like that. And it's got to the point where what was once a, a wonderful city, I used to enjoy going to San Francisco, has now become a ghost town. There were no, the last thing I saw, there was no 
businesses in the city centre at all. It had turned into um, basically a drunkie's paradise and a homeless place for homeless people. This is what happens. You allow the camel in the tent because you're too weak to simply stand up for your for your values. And of course, these people don't really have values. You know, there's to have values is seen as being old-fashioned, or particularly to have um, values based on um, what might be called any kind of elitism. You see, the interesting thing is that the Nazi propaganda was racist. It was built on racism. And that was how they sold their ideology. It made people, made the German people feel superior because they weren't like these inferior races. So the modern um, new new ideology is based on anti-racism. So therefore they say we're not like the Nazis and if you oppose us, you're like the Nazis because we're anti-racist. But the reality is the Nazis could have used anything. They used racism because it worked at that time in that place. That's not the issue. The issue isn't about the racism or, or any other ideology. The issue is about the propaganda and getting people to conform and go along with it. Um, you know, you can travel in a bus or you can travel in a coach or you can travel on a motorbike. It's the destination and the journey that's important, not the vehicle that is being used, to use a metaphor. So this is how the, the woke crowd work and this is why anybody who disagrees with them is accused of being a racist and a Nazi, even though logically that doesn't make sense, so that they can distinguish themselves, you know, supposedly from the Nazis, whilst at the same time using the same ideology and the same parameters and the same techniques as the Nazis used. One of the things that was shocking to me, I think, about COVID, and I think many other people found this, was how compliant people could be, even in the face of obvious logic, uh, dislogic, you know. I remember going into a shop and um, some young kid, and he was, he was, you know, couldn't have been more than about 17, coming up to me and um, saying, I had to, he said, told me I had to put a mask on even though another member of the staff was actually serving me he said you have to put a mask on I said no I don't and he said you do he said it's a condition of entry so I said okay and I walked out and this is the ridiculousness of the masks um, is, is apparent you see people walking even now you see people walking down the street they're completely on their own wearing a mask you see people riding bicycles wearing masks um, even in a crowded place it's apparent and it's been tested that masks don't do anything against the virus and I've even heard people say I've even heard doctors say so I heard the uh, I have to track down the recording but at the time chief medical officer in Australia I heard him on the radio say that it's probably the case that masks don't do anything practically but they do remind people that there's a pandemic and therefore people should wear it in other words they are very good as a propaganda exercise and to force compliance and just as I was saying about allowing the 
head of the camel into the tent. It, the reverse works in the sense that you uh, the, the the state enforces a small piece of compliance and then they can enforce more compliance and more compliance. This is the idea of the the vax jab. Once you're on that train of taking the jab, it's you're going to have another one and another one, another one. They did find, and it's really backfired on them, that the um, the effects of having the vaccination, the side effects were so extreme for most people were reluctant to simply conform in the way they were hoping but they won't give up there'd be more things that would be put and, and eventually of course they win because they control the media they control the population they are the experts um dissenters will be accused of uh best simply of being um nazis and uh, racists and so on and at worst, they will simply um, arrest them, lock them up, even go in with guns and claim that, you know, these people are uh, radicals who are going to blow up buildings or something, and they will simply um, shoot them down. In America, and again, I've talked about this in a podcast, the idea of owning guns goes back to the writing of the Constitution. No... In, in the Constitution, the President doesn't have ultimate power, Congress doesn't have ultimate power, and the uh, judiciary doesn't have ultimate power. Each is dependent on, on each other. And the whole system doesn't have ultimate power because the people are able to own guns. And if the government gets too uppity, they will simply fight back. The Constitution was written at a time when America was an occupied state. It was occupied by the British. And they didn't want that to happen again. So it's no coincidence that whilst this is all going on, there's this huge push to uh, abolish guns, an impossible thing in America. What they will do in America is make it impossible to buy bullets. And, and so your guns will become useless anyway. This is how they get around that. Um, but the propaganda machine is relentless in its anti-gun. I've talked about this before, and this is really worth doing in another podcast. You know, America doesn't have a gun problem. It has a mental health problem. And the mental health problem is partly driven by doctors who are giving out antidepressants, so-called antidepressants, to people. And the whole propaganda machines, particularly the schools, is aimed at making people more and more uh, uh, maladjusted. And this is why it happens, but that's much bigger issue than to to go into here so really it's a matter of opening your eyes seeing what's happening on the ground happening on the grand scale standing back from things take the red pill and see that there's a whole culture of indoctrination and that the institutions that we used to love and aim for and aspire to have all become to a large extent, corrupted. The universities are corrupted. The medical system is corrupted. The judiciary is corrupted. And the governments themselves are corrupted. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is a, a fact that becomes obvious when you see it in the right light. for listening you can email me 
phil at graham.net you can look at my website philip with one l dot graham dot net graham is b-r-a-h-a-m and if you send an email put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost thank you